0: Listening to the Dr. Claude Kirchner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirchner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. empowering employees of some of the things that we're saying in our job descriptions or as a part of our culture, then we need to understand what does a wide span of management mean? And and why why are these job titles being thrown around all the time? And why is power and authority being, being used to subordinate staff members? That is not a wide span of management. That is not a culture of autonomy. And that is not a culture of innovation and creativity. That is a stifling culture. We are going to talk about a great topic today, a fun topic, one that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the human-centric organization. Might title it something else, but I was writing an article yesterday on shared thinking and shared learning. And it just made me made me think about some of the environments that are being fostered out there in organizations versus what is being displayed through some of the job postings and through some of the publicity about these organizations. um how I'm gonna set it up is if you can imagine if you're if you're looking online and you're looking for work or you're looking to partner with another organization and uh, some of the things that you see about this company, some of the outward facing marketing that they display is you know they they demonstrate their values. They demonstrate that they foster an environment of care for people. maybe they put on some of their corporate social responsibility events and they talk about the, family values and um, employees that are autonomous and think independently and their customer-centric nature to their organization. And these are great buzzwords and these are great things to market about a company. It's great to market about an organization. But if you see that publicly, Howard facing, the question is, is the internal environment designed and set up to actually foster those things? Are we saying it? Are we putting it out there? And then how are we creating and designing our organizations around those concepts? And I, one of the most important things to, I think, understand when we set up this conversation is, is what is an organization? And th- the meaning behind bringing people together, it's, it's doing work alone or doing work within independence doesn't get us to where we need to go. And it, it can't produce the effect, the desired effect that we want to have if we want to Be impactful and be influential working with others is simply a better more progressive and a formidably more powerful task and humans have been doing this not only in commerce but in society for many many years so getting good at it is is a challenge and it's always been a challenge because we have humans involved but the essence of an organization and this is powerful to understand is in definition a group of two or more people working together to achieve a common goal and leadership is inspiring people towards accomplishing organizational goals. So leading an organization takes an understanding of what an organization is, which is a group of people. And then when you look at management, you're looking at planning, organizing, leading, and controlling for organizational objectives, for achieving a mission, vision, or purpose within that that company. Some of the ways to go about this are obviously different but what we we want to try to do and the meaning of this podcast and talk and you can see the in the background I have this motivational uh, series playing it's called motiversity is that human beings watch this <laughs> they want to be motivated they want to be inspired and there's 1.4 million views on a YouTube video just simply about just simply words on the screen and images that help motivate people throughout their day And why are we watching YouTube videos to motivate us to do things that are good, to do things that are right? Why aren't we being led into environments and being led while we're in that environment and being managed within that environment to consistently be motivated to accomplish some of these goals? And I have some answers and I have a lot of questions about this, but to frame it, we have to, I mean, it's prudent to understand that there are different types of people. This is practical. There are people that are motivated to work. And there are people that aren't motivated to work the mcgregor theory theory y and theory x lays it up pretty pretty clearly with theory x human beings just inherently dislike work and in theory y human beings actually enjoy the process of working with other people in collaboration to achieve a common goal so when you look at some of the people within your organization there are people there that do not want to be there and that's okay so as leaders and managers it's important that we understand that and that we lead them differently or lead them to another organization so that they can find their their purpose elsewhere. But we have to know that people are different. What is so critical for a lot of people to understand, I'm teaching these classes on management and I'm just taught a class on, on leadership. And there's so much talk about structure within an organization. How then, if I'm a new manager, a new leader, and if I have initiative, how do I structure my team? And how do I set up job responsibilities and tasks And how do I design the optimal structure for that organization to achieve its goals? And the question is, how is a manager ever supposed to know that or a new leader ever supposed to know that without soliciting other people's opinions, without coming together in a collaborative environment and asking questions and having that group share ideas and bring into some friction and and counter other people's ideas and develop that together because the answer is not always, there's not always a right answer, but the right answer is fostering a culture and a spirit of creativity and innovation within that company. And I believe that fostering a spirit of creativity and innovation in that company, and there's some ways we can go about doing that, will bring out the right culture will bring out the right environment we will weed out some of the theory x people some of the people who are not motivated to work there and those people who are empowered to create to innovate to do things with originality to have fluency and persistence and commitment and have a focused approach have a playfulness to their environment they will create the structure on their team for you managers so it's your job not just to design an optimal structure It's your job to design an optimal environment and a culture that brings in the right people, fostering that creative ideation process and allowing that structure to develop over time. And and that structure is going to change. If you have kept in touch with any organizations over the last 10, 15 years uh, that are still around, most likely they've restructured their organization multiple times and they've done it likely because of the information that was ideated from the front line, the customer facing people, the ones that are on the mission on a regular basis. There have been times. And if you can imagine a son or daughter or a colleague or spouse, um, being enticed to work for an organization through a beautiful job description through uh, some of the things I discussed earlier about a company exuding certain types of values and the way in which they take care of their employees. They have an inspiring mission. And then walking into an environment with leaders that are immature, not confident, and are creating a toxic, counterproductive work environment. They may look the part, they may have a silver tongue, they may be able to walk the walk through the interview process, but when it comes down to actually looking a staff member or a team member in the eye, not feeling either intimidated by them or being confident to ask them questions and most importantly, that leader that your spouse or friend or whomever works for, you want that leader to be vulnerable about some of their weaknesses. And the reality is if you're following a person long enough and they're leading you, you already know their weaknesses. And if they are not capable of articulating those weaknesses to you, they lose credibility in your eye because you can see that that in itself is a weakness to not be vulnerable vulnerable about things that you're insecure about or things that you are weak in that creates a toxic culture, that creates a counterproductive work environment. So the self-awareness and emotional intelligence of a manager and a leader is critical. And certainly the maturity of that leader is critical because they may may look good, they may play the part, they may show up and dress nice, they may speak the part, but when it comes down to the one-on-one intimate connection with team members to foster a spirit of creativity confidently, do they have the resources, Do they have the wherewithal to know that decentralization is a good thing, assigning people to duties and empowering them to complete these duties, not asking them to uh, use a certain font on the PowerPoint slide presentation, giving them the autonomy to fail, Uh, giving them the freedom to get their work done late into the night as opposed to early in the morning because they had to drop their daughter off at work or, or drop their daughter off at school or whatever it may be. These are the tactical approaches to managing people well in a creative environment. So if you're going to foster that, you also need to learn how to, and we're shifting now into the organization, the leader, the employee, and now the team. Think about the team. If, if The benefits of a cohesive team can drive creativity and innovation. Teamwork can be key to reducing turnover and costs, and, and two of the most critical things that a manager and organization can foster is one is uh, organizational citizenship behavior. It's doing the things and acting like an owner just for the sake of acting like an owner and doing the things. They care about the people in the company and they go above and beyond their job description to do certain things. And and when employees or uh, staff members do those things consistently and their leader or their manager continues to enforce rules and regulations and structure and power onto them, how do you think that makes them feel? If organization citizen, organizational citizenship behavior is important, or some of the things that create organizational citizenship behavior is job satisfaction. Am I happy with my job? Am I being paid well? Do I feel confident enough to tell my manager things that I'm upset with? Do I enjoy the tasks that I'm doing? Leaders have a critical role in producing that in some of their team members. And Lastly, it's employee engagement. Are the people on my team engaged with the customers? Do they care about this organization to the extent where they're reading emails and they're showing up to work and they're they're looking people in the eye and they're doing some of the things that need to get done in order for this organization to be successful? And that hinges on our ability as an organization to Create that culture to create that environment. Hire the right leaders and the right managers to solicit the opinions from the people who have been doing it over and over again. Respecting their opinions, not being intimidated if they're smarter than them or more experienced than them. Actually thanking them for that knowledge and admitting that, "Wow, you know a lot here, and I can learn from you." Uh, one of the the sickest things that I've seen in organizations is when a leader or a manager is intimidated by a staff member or even a subordinate. So they may have what would be called a position power, but their subordinate or their staff member has a, say like an expert power or relational power. They either know how to do something differently or better, or they know more people within the organization than that new leader or whomever that may be. And that new leader is so egocentric and so self-focused that they see that employee as a threat. And they either try to get rid of that employee or they try to subordinate that employee in front of other people. And they use power tactics, uh, which can be really nasty. And, and that really, that egocentric, narcissistic manager or leader uh, can create the antithesis of the culture that we're trying to create. So teamwork, leaving the essence of teamwork is how do we foster this kind of teamwork? Work with customers to understand needs to develop solutions. Are the other are Is the team focused on a mission? Do they have a shared goal? Do they use technology effectively? Do they communicate effectively? Are there cross functions within the team? And then you think about this trend towards scientific management and this trend towards data and artificial intelligence and all of the different aspects of the organizational movement towards efficiency and effectiveness, uh, utilizing technology, which is incredible because it could create productivity within our economy and, and generate returns for organizations. But these tools are led by teams, by cross-functional teams, by teams that are trained, that are developed within that organization to to achieve these these goals. You can't just say, hey, listen, uh, we're gonna start using artificial intelligence. Well, who's gonna implement that? Who's gonna monitor that? Who's going to optimize that? The people within the organization should be empowered with these tools to learn about these initiatives. They should be a part of creating those initiatives. They should be heard about their ideas to implement uh, certain types of technology and artificial intelligence to empower that that company. The behavioral aspect of organizations, the sociology, the the psychology, the anthropology, the economics, and, and developing theories about human behavior and interactions in an organizational setting. Understanding these things as managers is critical to being effective managers. If you're an introverted manager if you're a narcissistic manager if you don't understand how to empower other team members you can learn these things these things are not far-fetched you can be coached in these things if you see a trend of employees resigning if you don't talk to a staff member when they resign from your organization about what happened tell me more share with me openly i need to get better here if you're not having those conversations how are you going to get better and, and maybe you're not committed yourself, and you're certainly not committed to the behavioral science approach of managing people. So when you talk about managing people, when you talk about management in general, you're talking about managing change. And managing change is not easy. Uh, people change, culture change, people change people's mindsets. How do I change my mindset, my attitudes and my beliefs towards a particular topic? Managers and leaders need to understand how to do that culture change there's tools to driving culture change organization development is one of them training other people developing programs within your organization to drive change over time my wife works with baptist health and they are driving a a change initiative progressively over a year and they're having a various forms of trust uh building exercises they're they're talking about the values within the organization and how they're trying to focus more on the patient experience and how can they foster that from the frontline employees all the way into the middle management, all the way into some of the top management, all the way into the executives of the hospital. They're sitting at the same table together and they're answering the same questions with a group of people that are helping uh, from an organization development. So that, that is that is how to execute a change initiative. It's, it's rolling out programs like that. Uh, to change culture so the but the reality is how as managers have we set up a group of people that, first of all in ourselves our own emotional intelligence and self-awareness learned ourselves on some of our own weaknesses and gotten feedback and then been able to effectively onboard people into our organization foster a safe environment bring them into a team environment where they can be incentivized well to be theory why employees to achieve a goal together have innovation and have a culture of creativity and then from there how do we set up the structure the formality of the, the organization um so that people will inherently change and, and this is where the more practical elements of this conversation will come about in order to effectively create a structure we have to understand the strategy of the organization and the strategy of the organization will drive the structure of the organization. If the strategy is to um, be the best quality service provider in all of Florida, then that's obviously going to drive a training and development concepts into some of your your structures. And you're obviously going to have a structure where you have autonomy and independence. If your strategy is to uh, launch the next space shuttle to Mars, you're probably going to have a more scientific, hierarchical approach to figuring out the ordering and the processing of materials, the putting together of the materials, the launching of the spaceship, and there'll be people in charge of each one of those objectives. And it'll be a little bit more of a a hierarchical structure. So it's all about your strategy. But in order to do that, you have to have a job design. What is this job for? What are we looking to do? Why is that important? And you you say, okay, is this job specialized? Uh, You have alternatives to job specialization. And then you, you have to think to yourself, okay, if we have these jobs and we have these people, how do we group them together in teams? And somebody asked me the other day in one of my classes, I said, well, what's better, having a flat organizational structure or where you have a bunch of people reporting to you, um, or is it better to have a top-down organizational structure where it's, it's more hierarchical and centralized, where there are clear chains of command? And I said, it depends. And in, in my experience, if you have the right people, if you have the right culture, if you have the right managerial skills, your structure will develop itself with formality based on the mission, vision, and strategy of the organization. But here are some tactical or tangible ways to go about this. You can create a structure around function. So a function would be grouping jobs that relate to the same organizational activity, the accounting department, the marketing department, the sales department, the procurement department, the development department, that's a function of a job. And those functions, human resources, will will serve the entire organization. So that's, that's departmentalizing by function. And then you have another way of doing it is you can departmentalize by product. So we had this pool company and we had pool service and we had pool repairs. And we had a functional structure where we had support and administrators supporting both of those services. But what we could have done is we could have created a product departmentalization, say, okay, pool repair, you have a finance person, you have an accounting person, you have a customer service person, and then you have all of the different mechanics and dispatchers specifically for pool repair. So it's sort of its own department. And then you have pool service, uh, which is maintenance. And they have, again, there's some duplicity in roles. You're going to have an accounting person or a finance person, a human resource person, a dispatcher, and some of the field techs. And that's going to be its own separate product department do they overlap and interact with each other yes but they are capable of delivering the service in a singular uh structure so it's an option and the question is not okay which one do i think is going to be better as a manager leader no it's which one works better for the customer and which one works better for the staff members uh, based on their feedback and their input they've been doing this for a long time what do you think is easier i've experienced that sometimes it's just as hard to serve a customer as it is to serve some of the internal constituents within the company. Meaning it's, it's hard enough to work with the lady upstairs to do, or the, the male upstairs to do the accounting bill. And it's more annoying to call them and ask them to send the bill out because you've done it three times than it is to call the customer or it is to just do it yourself. Again, those are the things that you're gonna learn by asking questions as a good manager and as a good leader. Uh, based on strategy. You can also departmentalize by location. You can departmentalize by customer type, commercial customers versus residential customers. You could say you have uh, a a division in Fort Lauderdale and you have a division in the Keys and they operate separately. Uh, Just another way to departmentalize once you departmentalize. So now, I mean, there's a lot in this conversation, but what I'm trying to get these leaders and managers to do, if they listen to this podcast or whatever, is to understand that, we're marketing these organizations with great values. And the job descriptions look awesome. And and we onboard them through this wonderful HR process. And we then we bring them into an organization and all of a sudden it's a 180. All of a sudden it's, wait a minute, the manager isn't even here. Uh, he was talking to me more during the interview process than he was in the first week at work. It doesn't seem very nice. He's not treating people with respect. There's a culture here of toxicity. And, and that's what we're trying to avoid. Uh, and we're trying to keep a consistent growth of our organization, our our working together to achieve common goals, our leadership of inspiring people to achieve organizational goals, our management of planning, organizing, leading, and controlling, and doing it in a way that's humanistic, human-focused, creative, innovative, uh, understanding change, understanding people and some of their needs, understanding the differences between theory Y, theory X, understanding different personality types. Once we have that, we, we implement a structure that we think works for our strategy, and then we have to delegate. And what are we delegating? And are we, do we have authority uh, when we delegate certain things? And when we, when we delegate, do, do we delegate the authority along with delegating the job function or delegating the task? Uh, do we have accountability? When, when you delegate something, they need to have responsibility, authority, and accountability when you delegate something. And sometimes I see managers or leaders delegate something to a staff member that does not have the authority to accomplish that particular task. And if a staff member goes back to the manager and says, hey, listen, I tried to do this, but I couldn't because somebody was in my way. Can you help me? And they say, well, what do you mean? Uh, I can't help you. Well, how am I supposed to do it? You're setting me up for failure. Or worse yet, if they say, hey, I've run into this roadblock and -and so-and-so Janet in the office wasn't isn't helping me because I'm not her boss. And you go to your leader and say, "Hey, can you help me?" And they say, "Well, she's not supposed to listen to. You. She doesn't work for you. Excuse me, like that's why I came to you to ask you for help, and you're responding back to me and diminishing my authority even further in a subject matter. And that stuff happens. And that's a insecure leader and a toxic work environment. And a leader that does not know how to delegate appropriately because they're not delegating authority with the test they're not delegating proper uh, accountability and responsibility combined with authority so now you have the structure now you need to figure out how do i delegate management is not easy and sometimes you have these organizations that are centralized and a centralized organization is the organization that systematically works to concentrate authority at the upper levels of the organization and if you are like me i will never and can never I'm putting this out there work for an organization that keeps authority at the top that does not understand that it's counterproductive for an organization to concentrate authority because it takes the employees and it it, they may bring their brain to work but they're not bringing their heart to work they're not bringing their personal connections and their personal relationships because they don't feel like they have authority to accomplish something therefore if they were to get something done the recognition or the benefit of that getting something done is just going to go to the people up top that are are hoarding that authority. So for some, maybe you can work for an organization that's centralized for me. No, every organization that I've ever ran was decentralized. You give the, the jobs and the authority and the accountability to the middle managers, and you grow them and foster them to create better leaders, better managers out of them through learning, through that responsibility and through that authority. Sorry, if someone was to come to you and say, hey, can you do this for me? Um, Yeah, I can do that for you. But I've given that authority to so-and-so. So so let me go to so-and-so and and ask them if they can do it. That would would say, you know what? Thank you. I'm empowered by that. The worst thing you could do is do it for them. And the person that you gave that authority and responsibility to finds out you did it and is saying, what the heck? That's something that I'm supposed to... Or how come you didn't tell me about that? So a, a manager or leader that is deferring some decisions to others depending on what that decision is is usually a good manager or a good leader that knows how to lead people a manager or leader that has all the answers that does all the work is not really a manager or a leader or anything but themselves so there are times don't get me wrong where decisions need to be made by the leader where uh, management needs to gather information and make a decision based on what everyone said and needs to own that. But most of the time, in most organizations, those decisions can be decentralized and delegated to others. So that that goes with the span of management. Do you have a a wide span of management? Are there uh, people here that feel empowered, that feel as if they're managing something, even though they may not um, have anyone working for them, they believe that they have resources and capabilities and authority to get things done versus a narrow span of management where desperation of subordinates. Manager has additional tasks, high level of interaction required between manager and workers, high frequency of new problems. I mean, this is good for a narrow span when there are high frequencies of problems, but um, a more wider span is standard operating procedures, is high level of competence in managers and workers. I mean, I'd rather work in an environment with a wide span of management than a narrow span of management starting from the beginning, if we're truly trying to foster a autonomous work environment with a culture of creativity and innovation, and we're empowering employees of some of the things that we're saying in our job descriptions or as a part of our culture, then we need to understand what does a wide span of management mean? And and why why are these job titles being thrown around all the time? And why is power and authority being, being used to subordinate staff members? That is not a wide span of management. That is not a culture of autonomy. And that is not a culture of Innovation and creativity—that is a stifling culture. So managers need to understand that. So you know, there, there's advantages and disadvantages to having certain teams. Uh, you know, self-managed teams is is this big concept now that that's going on out there. It boosts employees' morale, increases productivity, aids innovation, uh, reduces employee boredom. Uh, some of the disadvantages, though, it's just uh, disadvantages of self-managed teams are there's additional training cost. Uh, teams may be somewhat disorganized conflicts may arise. Leadership role may be unclear. If your team is self-managed, there are great things and there are not so great things, but leaders and managers need to understand that we should move towards self-management teams. We should move towards a wide span of management. We should move towards an organization of creativity and innovation. We should move towards Theory Y staff members and not Theory X staff members. And we should root out some of that counterproductive and toxic work behavior, of our organization through sound organizational leadership and management practices another concept that i wanted to kind of put out and make sure is clear is is this concept of shared learning and this concept of of collaborative knowledge and creating a place where people feel free to give feedback and bring in their unique experiences from the past their unique perspectives how they see things and bringing that to a place where they can bring that together and share constructively. There's a story um, in a book about how um, this author was asking people in a crowd to guess the weight of a of a calf once it's slaughtered, like just the meat of a calf. And um, everybody in the room, there were some people with experience, some people that didn't have experience as butchers or whatever, they could have guessed it correctly, but nobody in the room came even close to guessing the right answer. It's like, 1200 pounds or something like that but collectively as a group if you averaged in every single answer it was one pound off of the exact right answer so this is a story that fosters the creative process of groups together and the power of taking individual ideas and summing them together to get the right answer to make the right decision and to get a variety of different perspectives of people's walk in life people's experience people's educational knowledge and pulling that together in a concept called shared learning or collaborative learning so that we can make the right decisions so that we could foster the right culture and so that we can continue serving customers serving a delighting and amazing customers around the resources and specialties that we have in our organization teamwork organizational culture a change management, people, a humanistic culture. Uh, these are all things that as leaders and managers, if we're publicizing these things in our job descriptions, and we're, we're wanting our organization to represent these things within our values, that we have to know what they are, number one, and we have to know the tactics to actually create them. And it starts with the leader. Craig Groeschel says, as the leader gets better, everybody gets better. So how, then, are we doing this? Are we training managers and leaders to know this, implement this, and execute on these organizational tactics? Thank you so much.